You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, There was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord and the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, The Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king of Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. The word of the Lord. And then let's stand for the gospel reading that goes along with that. Ian, we're only going to go to verse 33. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. It was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. 
and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to move through this Faster because I am aware of what time it is, but I want us to have a good relationship and flexibility. If we want God to move, sometimes we got to be here a little bit, okay? And so I'm just going to move as we feel led and, and let everybody work through that. We are in the process of gearing up for a summertime that is going to be unique in Salem. And here's the only adjustment we're making. It is typical that we either do a hybrid LTG session in the summer or, like last year, do some kind of intense, aggressive Bible study midweek. And what we've decided to do is we're not going to do any of those things this summer because we need, I feel that myself personally and the church, we all need space to delight in God in a little bit of a different way than that normal systematic flow of church. And here's what I'll say. Rest only feels like rest to people who work. So if you were never going to go to that Bible study, this summer is not going to feel very different for you. Because people who don't work when they rest just feel like nothing good is happening. People who work hard and rest feel like rest came. I'm just going to throw that out there. Be a little, that, that whole service up to this point was so positive, I'm just going to be a little chippy now, just so the, the, the day has texture. So I'm going to be not my normal jubilee, because I'm a very positive person. I'm not going to be... What we're going to do is we're going to have a... A uh, very creative, elaborate board uh, starting maybe next week, definitely the week after. And we're going to be able to post what we're doing this summer that other people can do, join with us. So if Dan Savage is going fishing and he wants a few guys to go, he's going to post on there, Fishing with Dan, on Tuesday, July 17th. Contact me if you want to go, and you can contact him if you want to go. We're going to post things that are going on in Fishkill and Beacon and Wappingers that people might want to go to. Because what we want is to actually gauge and see whether or not we really love each other or we're caught in a system. Yes. Yes, I do want to see this. I'm very excited about this. My tone will be really jubilant or very principal-ish in September, depending on how well we love each other this summer. I want us to join each other in unofficial ways because that, that means something too. It's one thing when we're told to do something and we do it. That's great. It's another thing when we don't have to and we want to. And rest is not inactivity, as we're going to talk about now. Rest is time alone with God wrestling, and rest is time with each other conversing, discussing, and taking delight in each other. I know it's good. I'm well aware. I'm hoping everybody else thinks this is good, because here's the thing. When God tells you something, I'm going to stand on it and know that it's good. Okay, so I'm really praying for you that you would know this is good too. This can be one of the best summers this church has ever had in its history because it's never done something like this before. And again, if this doesn't seem like a big deal to you, that's perfectly fine. But I promise you, I promise you, if you engage in this, it's going to do something. Because what we want to talk about all summer long, all summer long, we're not going to go through many topics. I'm going to find creative ways to talk about the space that simple delight in God plays in our emotional health. Looking at a sunset does not heal you. But looking at a sunset gets you to forget yourself long enough to stop resisting what God is trying to do in you and he can heal you. 
Okay? Yes, we live in a culture that makes productivity king and does not reward rest. We need to protest that. We need to learn to rest, but not a toxic binge kind of, you know, like we've been saying, Netflix and sleep until noon kind of rest. A rest where space is created to delight in God, in each other, in creation. So what I want to talk about is I want this one anecdote to kind of hang the whole message. I am out on my deck typing this message yesterday, and when I'm in sermon writing mode, when I'm in sermon research mode, I'm everybody's best friend because I love to talk. And many of you get a lot of texts from me when I'm in sermon research. But when I start to write, I'm a jerk because I don't write very well. And I research well. I don't write very well. And so whenever we're doing something that we don't do well, we get very focused on ourselves when we're doing it. And we hate getting interrupted because it feels like you can never get it back if you had some momentum. (laughs) But I have a a two-and-a-half-year-old. And she doesn't give any care that I'm doing something difficult for me. So I'm out there typing along. And it's sunny and nice and almost perfect yesterday. And she comes out and, like, essentially knocks everything that you could knock. Stuff that I didn't even know we owned got knocked over. And then she says this. She says, Daddy, watch me dance. And I was, Desiree's like, amen, that girl is joining. I was about to say no. I'm writing a message on rest. Do you, can, you, can you feel the irony? Like, literally, God is like, I dare you to tell her no right now, moron, right? The Holy Spirit, I watch her dance, which apparently then was an invitation to always have to say yes to that thousands of more times. The Holy Spirit says to me, every time you stand in front of another human, I'm, ask, I'm asking you to look at them and say, look at me dance. When you look at a sunset, I'm saying, watch me paint. When you hear music, he's saying, listen to me, compose. Every time we're around anything that has God's imprint on it, he's saying, look at me dance. How often do we say no? I want that to hang this entire time because what we're about to talk about is a burnt out prophet and a burnt out human. Elijah in this story is very similar to the demoniac. He's burnt out and in need of rest. We said last week that wisdom is the spirit of delight, and Jesus is wisdom, and so Jesus is always delighting in the Father, and the Father is always delighting in the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit that allows them to mutually delight in each other. And so the Trinity of God, the Godhead itself, is the spirit of wisdom that delights and affirms and celebrates. And so when we ask for wisdom, we're asking for delight. We're asking for celebration. And I don't know about you, but honestly, there's a big difference between being positive and and taking delight in something. Being positive usually means I want something. Taking delight means this thing never needs to change. There's just something so good in it, it's worth delighting in. That was free. The rest of it is very expensive. Elijah's the overproductive one. He called, so in his life up to this point, he called for a drought. 
and everyone got mad at him, and he had to fight through that. Then he calls for rain, and when it starts to rain, he runs faster than a chariot to go tell King Ahab that it's going to rain. He's running fast all the time. Then he meets a, a widow's son that died and raises him from the dead. Then he meets thousands of prophets of Baal who say, your God isn't the real God. And Elijah calls down, and this is so ironic, he calls down fire from heaven, and God does what the prophets of Baal couldn't do by burning not just the offering on the altar, but the altar itself, and in that burning, Elijah gets burnt out. And all of a sudden, the prophet who called for a drought, who called for rain, who raised a widow's son, who called down fire from heaven is now fleeing Jezebel. Because when we get burnt out, we get thin. And I don't mean the kind of thin that I am. How rude is that to laugh just now? How rude is that to laugh just now? Okay. Everyone's like, ha, 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 he's a jokester. No, I thought I was serious, but apparently not. Um, It's not that kind of thin. We get thin and our patience wanes. And our view of ourselves changes. And our view of danger changes. And our view of other people changes. And all of a sudden, this overly confident prophet is now running for his life because all he's ever done is he's done productive things. But when our life is rooted in production and we become people who don't rest, we become people where production begins to diminish our humanity. We live in the kingdom of Pharaoh out there, the kingdom of taskmasters and pyramid building, and we don't live in a society and a culture that lets us rest. And the more we produce without resting, the more we diminish our humanity. Now, there's a lot of people in this room where we're all overworked for very different reasons. Some of us, it's our sin. For some of us, it may be a mental or an emotional condition that we can't help. For some of us, it may be the broken society we live in, and you're a single mom, and you're working a few jobs, and you can't take a break. So this, this whole summer is going to take a, a real roller coaster and a lot of texture and a lot of nuance, but today's going to be very general, and it's going to be very quick <laughs> and general. The demoniac, just like Elijah, He's oppressed, he's ill, he's victimized, he's unsettled, and I love this, he's never at home. And we reserve this guy for people, like we'll say to people about other countries, like all oh, the countries that do voodoo, like they're the ones who have the demons. We all are legion all of the time. When some, if you really sat down to say who you are, we are many things because we're so toxically busy. Sometimes our identity is spinning like a revolving door, like an escalator, never stopping because we don't know who we really are anymore. It's like somebody who's dyed their hair so many times. They forgot their natural color and it's okay. In high school, my hair was dyed bleach blonde because I thought that was cool. So God did this to me. So I'll always remember... (laughs) We can't forget who we are. There's, for, for many of us, if somebody said, what is your name? Our answer would be our name. We would start listing our hats that we wear and forget who's under that hat. I work. I'm a parent. I'm home. I'm stressed. I have a mental disorder. I have this. I have that. And all of a sudden, we are all the conditions of our life. That's who we end up being is the conditions of our life. And forget That there's a God out there who wants to say your name like he said to Mary. And when he says it, he can cut through all of Legion and say Mary. And she hears her name as if for the first time. We need that experience. This man is marked by no contentment. He's shifty. 
he can't stay anywhere too long without beginning to feel insecure and unsettled. So let's compare and contrast Elijah and the demoniac and see a few things about, and all, this is just a brief overview of being burnt out for many different reasons. Elijah runs into the wilderness. And the demon, or the demoniac, is thrust into the wilderness. Because burnout, at one point or another, makes you feel like nothing is growing anymore. Like all of your effort is no longer growing. It begins to feel like wilderness. It begins to feel like desert. You begin to feel like the Israelites wandering around in circles, wondering what is going on. Wandering what is going on. (laughs) It feels like nothing is growing. And in those moments, we start to turn in on ourselves. We start to lose that confidence. We start to lose that spunk. We start to lose that spontaneity. We start to become the kinds of people who don't like to do, do things spur of the moment anymore. We become people who aren't intrigued anymore. We become people who get tired really fast. We become people who always feel unhealthy. We become people who are very difficult to please when you're out in the wilderness. Because all of your effort feels like it's just producing sand. So they're both out there, not just the demoniac, but Elijah too is out there. And then Elijah misunderstands himself. We have to read our Bibles very, very carefully, and I trust that you are all avid readers of your Bible, like three chapters a day, every single day, no matter what, because you're going to eat the Bible before you eat food, because man does not live by bread alone. And so I know I'm talking to experts here, and if not, that was a slight that is really a punch to the face. And I love you, but read it. Read it. Our eyes, when it comes to the Bible, will digest far better than our mouth when it comes to pizza. And this is me talking. Elijah misunderstands himself. He says, I alone am left. There is no one else who hasn't bowed to Baal. He says, they have all thrown down your altars, and I alone am left. And here's the reality. This is the prophet who saw rain coming, and then he saw a drought coming, and then saw rain coming, and he gets this wrong. Because God is about to say to him, I have reserved 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And Elijah's running around saying, I'm the only one who hasn't thrown down your altars. And God says, no, you're not. There are 7,000 who haven't. When we're burnt out, we start to think that our plight is the only plight. We start to think that our issue is the issue everyone else has to bow to. Don't think big stuff. Just think home. (laughs) When you're in a bad mood, everybody's supposed to know. When they're in a bad mood, they still need to be nice to you. Like, this is how we roll. I said it because I'm in a bad mood. Well, I said it because I was in a bad mood. I don't care. Like, this this is how things go. That's just a transcript from, like, the average conversation at home all the time. I just need some space. You can have space, but not space to be rude to me. But that's kind of the space that I need, and this isn't helping. Like, we do this all the time. I'm the only one. And God's like, no, you're not. You're wrong. But you're burnt, so you think you are, because it feels like you are. And when you're burnt out, feelings sound like truth. Emoji face again. That's my favorite emoji face. I love that guy. He misunderstood himself. The demoniac misunderstood himself too. What's your name? My name is many. 
That's crazy. That's crazy. What's your name? My name, singular, is Legion, for we are many. Like, I would have been like, what? Did you just say your name singularly and then plural? This is crazy. Let's get back in the boat. (laughs) He's defined by pluralism. He's defined by having, he's defined by the next thought that crosses his mind. He's defined by the next job. He's defined by the next task on the to-do list. He's defined by the next thing that he's doing. He's many. And the reality is, if we're honest with ourselves, when we're this busy to the point where we just feel like legion, we feel like there's 2,000 people in our own head because we're running rampant and doing all kinds of things. When we rest, we rest like we work. We're either churning mentally nervous about what it's going to be like when we go back to work, or we rest and fill our rest up with things to do. Eleven thirty. Okay. Burnout causes us to lose ourselves and then lose sight of others. Elijah couldn't take delight in the other people who didn't bow the knee with him because he was only focused on himself. So now he's not delighting in God, he's not delighting in himself, and he's not celebrating the few people who are with him in the same plate as he is. God calls him out on it. But this is interesting. Elijah then wrestles with presets. First, there was wind. This is now him entering into rest. He's through the wilderness. God sustains him to get to the cave, and now this is what real rest looks like. First, the wind blows, and God is not in the wind. But in Exodus 14, God is in the wind. If I got that verse right, I can't see. Maybe I did. God is in the wind. How about we just go to Pentecost? (laughs) A sound like a mighty rushing, and that's the Spirit. But this time, God is not in the wind. And then there's a fire and an earthquake. And also in Exodus, when it's describing Mount Sinai, it says that smoke fills the mountain because the Lord descended on it like fire, and the mountain quaked. All of this, wind, fire, and smoke, and earthquake, all of these things are ways that God has already shown up to Israel. There are ways that God has revealed himself. God has been in the wind. He has been in the, the, the earthquake. He has been in the fire. And what happens to us when we get burnt out is we only look for God on the trodden down paths of the ways that he's already shown up for us. And here's what God will do to you on the Sabbath. He will make you lose him. You're not Sabbathing until you lose God. It's not Sabbath until you have fought through all the areas that you usually find him and don't find him there, and then he shows up in nothing. Every translation is afraid to say what the Hebrew is saying. Every translation, a dull whisper, a whisper, a a calm, quiet voice, but the word in the Hebrew is silence. He shows up in Silence. That's when you start Sabbathing, when you fight through all the productive ways that you want God to show up. Look at this. Fire is productive. Wind is productive. An earthquake is productive. So even when we're resting, we're still looking for God and productivity. But then he shows up in something that is unproductive. He shows up in something that's not productive. 
And that's when we start to rest. Because if all we are is productive, we will begin to diminish our humanity and burn out. How many know Jesus had a lot to do? Like if you want to compare to-do lists, do we really want to do this? And constantly goes off by himself to sit. I need you to hear this point. The demoniac wrestles with powers. Elijah wrestles through presets, preset ways that God is supposed to show up. And the demoniac wrestles with powers. When you read Luke 8, 26 to 33, if you watch the tenses carefully, it is so hard to tell when the man is talking and when the demon is talking. It is... It's there in the Greek. It's not there in the English. But it constantly changes. Sometimes word, 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 word is the man, the demon, the man, the demon, when you look at the tenses. And so what does this demon do? It says that he breaks shackles and he runs and he falls down before Jesus, which looks good. But then out of his mouth is the demoniac speaking. Depart from me. Leave me alone. Don't torment me. Yet he runs and falls down in front of Jesus. So you see this man trying to wrestle through what's oppressing him, but then out of his mouth comes some good things and some bad things. We know who you are, son of God. There's something trying to come out. He's trying to say what he believes, but it's constantly oppressed by thoughts and feelings and darkness, and it's coming out all mixed up. But here's what I want you to know. Elijah is in the wilderness saying, I'd rather die. And the demoniac is trying to speak through all of these demonic thoughts and voices. And here's what I want you to know about prayer. Prayer is not saying the right thing to God. Prayer is saying anything honest to him. Do not believe the garbage that is taught in Christian churches that if you say something like, even something all the way to the bottom, God, I want to die, that people will tell you, that's a lack of faith. You're confessing that over your life. Bull crap. That is not confessing. That is being honest. That takes faith and it's real. And that's what God is looking for. That is what he's looking for. Listen, if you could have what you confessed, I'd have had a million dollars a long time ago and been probably not here right now. So I'm glad I don't get what I confess. You think the law of attraction, that kind of stuff works? Go tell people in Haiti to confess it and see if they get rich tomorrow. Speak honestly. Don't worry about, I don't know how to pray. Say that to him then. (laughs) Say, I don't know how to pray. It might be the first and best prayer you've actually uttered because it's finally the truth. Say the garbage. I told you before in the middle of the worship service, I got mad at God. Here's the, here, I'll say something crazy to you right now. People in that conversation about suffering said to me, what do you think about God seemingly allowing children to suffer? And I said, honestly, for me, child suffering is the best argument to become an atheist. You've all thought it. I'm just articulating it. We don't have an answer for that. It makes me mad. It makes me mad that we don't have an answer for that, and I have to wrestle. That's when faith kicks in. Faith doesn't kick in when there's certainty. Faith kicks in when there's doubt, and that's the last thing you have. The world doesn't need a bunch of sloganizing, mantra-confessing Christians. They need people who are frustrated with what they're frustrated with. We just point our frustration in a different direction. So speak honest words. When Elijah said, I want to die, God didn't say, I anointed you. What's wrong with you? Why don't you have more faith? If you had the faith of a mustard seed, da, da, da. God, he feeds him. 
And when the demoniac comes and says, I, I don't know, even know if it's me talking right now, he heals him. He rebukes people who are speaking certainty when they shouldn't be. We know where righteousness comes from. We know Abraham is our father. We know what's supposed to be going on in the temple. That's when Jesus starts rebuking. That's when he starts flipping tables. But when broken people speak broken things, he answers. He responds. He feeds. And if the thought just crossed your mind, I don't know if I'll ever be healed from what stresses me out, hold that thought. Elijah wished to die. And in similar fashion, the demoniac lived among the tombs. You see that similarity? Because when you're burnt out and you're brought all the way to the end, here are three ways that, is that three? I got confused for a second. I'm so used to my daughter. Like, she's like, I'm three. And I'm like, no, you're not. That, A, you're not three, and B, that was five. So she takes after me. Three waves that we get to this place of death when we're burnt out. Number one, we go on autopilot. We don't quit. We don't quit. We just do what we know is right and throw our hands up and say, I'm going to do it because I know it's right, but that's it. And start coasting through life feelingless. The downs don't hurt anymore. They should. Somebody touches a hot iron and it doesn't burn their hand there's something wrong with their nervous system. When the downs don't hurt anymore, you're not walking in victory. You're not right. Because if downs weren't supposed to hurt, Jesus wouldn't weep at the tomb of a man he was about to raise five seconds after weeping. He's showing us that when we express hurt in moments that should hurt, that's health. Oh, I'm just going to praise my way through it. Here's the thing. Mm. praise does not lead to victory. Hear what I'm about to say. Praise does not lead to victory. Praise itself is victory. When you praise, that is victory. When it should be knocking you down and you're praising, that's not going to lead to victory. That is a protest saying, evil, I feel you, but you're not stronger than me. Evil, I feel you, but you're not better than me. Praise doesn't lead to something. That's what the devil wants. He wants Judas, praise, to betray Jesus for money. He wants, he wants us to think our praise leads to something. Our praise is victory. That's why so many of us try to praise our way through it and never feel like it works because the praise was the victory. The breakthrough is going to be when Jesus comes back and restores all things. That's when we'll be healed. In the meantime, we shall anyway. I don't even know why I said that. It's in there, though. Feeling. When you stop feeling the downs, when you stop celebrating the ups, that's death. And then the second level is I just give up on stuff that I, that I thought was a promise. I, I thought my kid was going to come home. I thought I was going to get that job. I thought I was going to get married. And you get all frustrated through it, and then all of a sudden it never happened. And then you just stop caring altogether, and you give up on it. And again, that looks holy too. I'm just letting it go. No, you're giving up. There's a difference. There's no difference in what we say, but there's a difference in what we mean. And sometimes we need a pastor to scream at us and tell us that. 
There's a way to give something up that is trust. And there's a way to give something up that is saying, God, I'm quitting on you. Ask the Spirit to show you the difference next time it's time to let go. Because you can let go in an inappropriate way. I'm supposed to let go of my daughter in a way that says, God, she has a will and I trust you. But I'm not supposed to let go and start neglecting her. Your letting go should still have responsibility attached to it. There you go. Okay. And then the final way, and let's be sensitive right now, you actually want to die. You actually want to die. And that's real too. And in the church, we need to be a place that people who feel that can talk to us and they won't get the broken, I want to curse so bad right now, the broken response, you can't kill yourself because everybody who kills themselves goes to hell. No. Tell us how you feel. Get involved with people. Do not isolate yourself. If I'm, 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 I know I'm talking to very few people here, but this is a tender moment. If it's you, don't become even a peninsula. Don't become an island. Don't become a peninsula. Pastor Mark, if you're listening, I'm sorry, become Oklahoma. <laughs> Landlocked by people. Let the church hold you. Let them sustain you. We're not going to push those thoughts aside. We're not going to tell you to just rebuke it. We're going to get you help. We have resources in this room right now. We have an art program that can get you help. We can connect you to resources. We'll walk with you as intensely as you want us to. I promise you, this is real. Don't be quiet about it. This is the space to say it in. This, we are the people to talk to. We're not going to rebuke you and tell you you have no faith. I will see nothing but strong, active faith in somebody who's willing to come out of that private darkness and say, I need help. I promise you. They both wrestled with these things. And now watch what Jesus does. They wrestled and they went into the wilderness and we know that Jesus went and he won in the wilderness. They wrestle with not knowing who they are, and Jesus is the one who heard God affirm him and say, you are my beloved son, which means that when we're in Christ, even if we don't know who we are psychologically, we know who we are in faith. When Jesus was affirmed, we were all affirmed. We know that they wrestled through presets and they wrestled with demonic powers and we know that Jesus defeated presets. Jesus defeated the flesh. Jesus defeated presets and he defeated the demonic powers. Jesus didn't go into the temple and say all is well. He flipped the precepts upside down. Jesus didn't just look at the preset of obedience as a way to the kingdom of God and say, let's all follow that preset. He flipped it upside down and said, none of you can follow it. I'm going to walk it for you. And he flipped the preset upside down. I'm telling you right now, anything that brings discouragement to your life, please look at that discouragement in light of the life of Christ. And I promise you will see mercy and grace before you see condemnation all of the time. And if God isn't showing up for you the way that you think he should, when God came up in the person of Jesus and showed up, he showed up the way all of them didn't think he would. Let's not make the same mistake. He shows up in the thing that you didn't think he would show up in, probably that coworker. That was prophetic. I just believe somebody needed to hear that. Unless I'm the coworker and then <laughs> and they want it to die. 
and they went to tombs. And we know that Jesus went to tombs also and didn't stay there very long. Listen to this. Rest begins by taking simple delight in knowing Jesus has gone to the places our exhaustion has arrested us to. The beginning of Sabbath rest is knowing that Jesus has already gone to the places that your exhaustion has thrown you to. Even I want to die. There's nowhere burnout can throw you that Jesus hasn't already been, which means wherever you are, the presence of God got there first. Start there. Don't think of, I'll be restful when. Don't go there. Right now, where you are, how you are, God got there first. You're not absent from his presence. You may be absent from a lot of things you want, but you're not absent from his presence. Start to take delight there. Elijah is still unhealthy after the rest is over. He says, I'm the only one who's left. Then he has the whole season of rest, that whole event. And then he says the same thing after it. And I read it, and I'm like, no, that's not, that doesn't make for a good sermon. He said all this outlandish stuff, and then rest came, and then he prophetically spoke the right words. He says the wrong stuff again and leaves. And then he's supposed to anoint Elisha, and he doesn't. He throws his mantle on him and tries to get him not to be anointed. I'm sure all of you have read a lot of 1 Kings, so, but I'm just saying, he's supposed to anoint him with oil, and he doesn't. He tells him to stop following him. Elijah is a mess after rest, and I got mad again, and I'm like, why would you do this? And the Holy Spirit brought me to the Mount of Transfiguration, and who is there with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, if not Moses and Elijah? Two men who seem to have been taken or died with their ministries failing. I'm just going to focus on Elijah. Elijah said, I'm the only one who's left. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah gets to see the only one who can say that. God tells Elijah there are more than 7,000. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah gets to see what the more than 7,000 looks like. Elijah's supposed to anoint Elisha and doesn't, and on the Mount of Transfiguration, he gets to see the anointing that he forgot to anoint somebody with. Whether it's now or whether it's then, between now and then, our goal is to not completely find rest. Our goal is to move in the direction of hopeful rest. Steps toward rest. And all that is for this summer is taking simple delight in things that don't cost money. That's all I want you to focus on. Stop. And I'm, this is not cliche. Don't hear this message and be like, well, I'm not going to church because I need time off. Here's the thing. The demoniac told Jesus to get away from him. So, hmm. Hmm. Let's not put ourselves in that company. This is where delight starts. What John did, that moment we had, let that sustain you all week. Not just today. Don't walk away from it all week. If you got nothing to dwell on because you're so busy you can't even watch the sunset, you're late to a sunset. (laughs) Think for 30 seconds in your craziest moments about that music that was played over you. Any space that's created 
even if there's a clinical problem in your emotions, any space, even if it's just 30 seconds, where you can take your mind off of it and delight in something, that space is space that God will fill. And 30 seconds of rest is better than not having it at all. Don't underestimate the power of the mustard seed. And here's what we're about to do now. We're about to come to the table. Everybody stand. And here's what happens at the table. We take bread from Sam's Club and juice from Sam's Club, and we believe that God is going to turn it into the eternal presence of himself. Here's, you know what that tells me? That tells me you, if he can take bread from Sam's Club and juice from Sam's Club, and I'm allowed to say, make this for your people, the body and blood of Jesus. Give him your 30 seconds and watch what he does with it. Give him your 30 seconds of delight and watch what he does with it. Get together with somebody. I don't have time to get together with somebody. Get together with somebody for 10 minutes. Meet me at the bus stop for crying out loud. Just talk for a second and watch what he does with it. What we're about to do, God, before God gives us a gift in this meal, we give it to him first. We brought this in. God didn't bring it in. When we give God embarrassing stuff, he turns it into something that can sustain us forever. So give him 30 seconds of delight once a day. Give him five minutes in your Bible. Give him 10 minutes with somebody else. Have somebody over. Like I said, paper plates and dirty dishes, it doesn't matter. Just get somebody into your house this summer and watch what God does. He will take it and he will transform it just like he's about to do with this meal. Jesus, we thank you that on the night when you were betrayed, you took the most common item in the world, bread, and you held it up, and you declared that it's your body. And you took an obvious drink, the fruit of the vine, and held it up and turned it into something uncommon. And so I pray right now that you hover over these simple gifts that we brought and make them for your people, the sacramental body and blood of Jesus the food and drink of new and unending life in him. And God, I want everyone in this room, I want you to think of an area in your life where you need some rest, and then I want you to raise your hand and hold that up to him. Just one area where you need rest, and then just raise your hand. Just pretend that you're taking that thing in your hand, and you're holding it up to him. Holy Spirit, we pray that if you could come on this bread and this cup and turn it into the body and blood of Jesus, then God, I believe that you can take what we're handing you and turn it into something. Turn it into time. Turn it into space. Turn it into delight. Don't take it from us. Transform it. Change it. Hover over it. Pour your creativity into it. And make it a location that we stop running from. Make it a location where we encounter your presence. In your holy, precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen. The ushers will release you from the back to the front. Come to the table delighting in the Lord. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.